Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelliot, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Mike Munzenreiter. On this episode, we're going to talk about Chris Colburn's Cobra Man part. But first, we got to talk about Huff. So, okay, uh, this is a heavy one, folks, so hopefully you're sitting down. We want to take this time to remember the life of Keith Huffnagel. Shortly before we started recording, we received the official announcement of his death. Huff was a beloved figure in skateboarding. A New Yorker who skated fast, popped his ollies high. He made an impact immediately upon his arrival in the industry in the early 1990s. He was a veteran of real skateboards and also the founder of the wildly successful and innovative streetwear brand Huff. We here at Mostly Skateboarding offer our most heartfelt condolences to Keith's family, friends, and his colleagues. Rest in peace, homeboy. Uptown top ranking forever. Mm. Templeton, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Huff? The ollie. That's like his his signature trick. You know, it's like, how can somebody's signature trick be the, the like foundation of skateboarding? You know, like the ollie, it's like the most basic trick, but he like made it his own. And I feel like he, he wasn't like, like one to like bone it out crazy or like just like try to overdope it. He just like did good ollies, like ollied over shit. Like, I don't know. It's just, he's just like a good ollier without being like overly steezy. So that's like, that's like kind of my enduring memory of him. And uh, I shared this on Twitter. Joe PC made, I don't know what to call what to call it, like a video piece of kind of like a collection of Huff ollies throughout the years. And they're all, uh, all the photos are kind of like recentered so that Huff's body is in the center. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like a great highlight of his career and how the Ollie was kind of like the central linchpin of the Huff career in skateboarding. What about you, Mike? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Huff? I mean, after, <clears throat> excuse me, like listening to you talk about it, I can't get my mind off the Ollie just in terms of like, again, what you were saying, it wasn't anything extra pronounced, extra exaggerated, but it was this thing that got us from point a to point b and somehow made jumping over a new york random park wooden bench like the most pedestrian thing all of a sudden because this dude in like 1996 when you know i would have first started noticing him until 2001 2005 whenever like he was just hopping over these benches like it was nothing. And the mastery of just that that like that hop, that jump, jumping on a skateboard was was so dope. And he took it to, you know, every not extreme, because he wasn't a dude of extremes. He was a dude of like maximalizing stuff, if that mm-hmm. differentiation makes sense. But then you go to you go to New Spot, you go to Third and Army, and it's that I don't know how many gaps there are on those left-handed ledges if you just showed up at the spot. They're on your left-hand side, backside if you're a regular-footed skater. He's just hopping all those gaps until he goes into frontside lip slide. And yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Templeton. It's just, it's the ollie. It's that perfect skateboard trick. I don't think anybody really can can ever get too up in arms about ollies. It's It's the foundation. It's what everything is built off of, and Keith Huffnagel had it. Had it. What say you, Patrick? Thank you for your introduction, too, man. Uh, no, it was it was tough to write, but I mean, we could probably speak volumes about him. 
Real talk, there are so many great skaters that have come out of New York City, but there was something about Huff that was different. And I would, uh, this might be controversial, but I think he was the first king of New York. Similar mm. to as in hip hop, you know, there's a rapper who will wear the crown, king of New York. It was Biggie, it was Nas, it was, um, it was Jay-Z for a hot second, it was Bobby Shmurda, you know? Same thing with skating, right? Like Tyshawn, right? Think about this, Tyshawn's whole shit with the trash cans comes from comes from Huff. Because Huff, I mean, there was that old FTC video, finally, from I think it was 1993. Yep. And he had style, and he had ups in a very ugly era of skateboarding. Like, and I'm talking about, and finally had some of the best, some of the best skaters in the game. And he really stood out, and it wasn't just the blonde hair. The other thing was, hmm. the other thing that he had was speed, right? He skated super fast. And that was, again, not to say, there weren't too many people doing that. Like, maybe his closest West Coast analog is Jeremy Ray. But here's the thing. You had Huff skating in New York City. And there's a Vice clip of him. I can't remember what video it's from originally, but it was something that had, um, it was a raw file. And so you could just throw music on it. And I love it. It was, you know, him tray flipping, uh, turned over trash can, pushes past the cube at Astor Place. A bunch of his homies were sitting nearby. Backside 180 is a steel trash can, straight on, no lip, no nothing, from flat. And apparently this was a dude who used to rock uh, leg weights. Like, this is a man who did not skip leg day. But <laughs> there's, something, like, there's something about that that is way more universal. It's one thing to be able to ollie a picnic table. But one of those New York City trash cans, like, we saw what happened to Donnie Barley at Eastern Exposure. Yeah. He passed his tooth. Those things are no joke. Going back to uh, to finally the FTC video, I think like it's crazy that a lot of maybe for older heads like Keith Huffnagel's greatest hits are in finally when he does that ollie up at Brown Marble, hop up, three sixty flip, hop down, or not even hop down. He just he you know ollies up a ledge, three sixty flips a large gap with only like six feet to get his feet set if he ever actually moved them and uh then it's off the other six foot ledge and down and then i think it's in the real video non-fiction ollie up black rock backside flip like it's crazy that those two tricks are 25 plus years old and that's mm-hmm. his legacy and then he's also like this completely legitimate still fashion like style maker i sold 100,000 pairs of weed socks when I worked at the skate shop like it's 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 really odd to have someone who is this enmeshed in like the different facets within skateboarding and then to have them go at 46 is uh, I think how old Huffnagel was like yeah I'm reminded of just how like skateboarding's young and then even the old heads and like you know, relatively speaking, us people on this podcast are old heads, but then they're like, Huffnagel's only five years older than you, Templeton. It's just, nobody's that old. Nobody's old. We're, we're all young in skateboarding as skateboarding is young. And so it's always, it's, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird too, because, um, you know, there were a lot of folks in the kind of the hype piece and sneakerhead world who were paying their tributes today, like Premium Pete who does a podcast over in New York, who's absolutely hilarious. He used to do a, a joint with uh, Combat Jack, uh, the late Reggie Osei. And I was just thinking about those weed socks because the person who designed those was a musician, um, 
Hani El Khatib or Hani El Khatib, uh, hmm. the anglicization of his name. He was one. He was. I think he was working at at Huff part time or interning or doing something, and it was a throwaway idea. And then the weed socks just became omnipresent. <laughs> Man, imagine you know? that on your resume. Like, yeah, <laughs> you seen those weed socks? That was me. <laughs> You're hired. Yeah, tell us more about the weed socks. That's very interesting marketing for the uh, cannabis market. Yeah, but like that just shows like Huff, Huff in the streetwear lane. It's kind yeah. of amazing. Like he had a career in streetwear that was arguably as influential, if not more influential, than his skating, which is wild if you think about. Because think about how many people will tell you like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm starting like a little clothing line. It's going to be a few one offs here and there, man. You know, we're trying to get into Supreme. <laughs> Dude. Well, didn't it start with the shop? Like, he had the Huff store, and he was making, like, shop gear, and then it evolved into, like, oh, we're going to do some collaborations, and then, you know, snowballed from there. He was definitely selling Nike, you know, Nike SB and whatever else in there. And, yeah, I think that is where it started, if memory serves. Yeah. But the, that's risky. I mean, it's far more expensive than anything you could do in the regular skate world. And it also, you know, the it, it's also you're dealing with a very fickle audience. You know, people in there, the people who are like full on hype beast, that community, you know, they chase trends. You know, longevity yeah. is not really part of their vocabulary. Yeah, it's interesting that he chose to to do a not a skate shop. Because it'd be so easy to do a skate shop, you know, he's got all the connections, he's got a big name that would draw people in, but he, you know, decided to kind of like strike out on his own with, with the, what do we call it, a boutique, um, sneaker store. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that he, you know, he just followed his passions there and, um, you know, made it, made his mark where, you know, he didn't have any prior I mean, I guess he probably had did have some prior connections through skateboarding and stuff, but yeah, I think he he was down with the he was definitely down with the Supreme Cats, but like to be able to get to the level that he did in the amount of time that he did is mind blowing. Because think about all of the people who fail. Think about how many people you might know who started a clothing company or wanted oh, to do yeah. some one off thing with shoes and just you know it went nowhere. Yeah, it, it ain't easy. You know, any any business is is tough. I think the shoe business is the toughest. It, it seems like also it's it's the most rewarding if if it works, mm-hmm. which Huff you know made it work, which is really impressive. I remember when the shoes yeah. first came out. It, um, you know, the team was all AMs. It was all dudes that I'd never heard of. You know, it felt really really small and grassroots, and um, it, it it ended up being a really smart move. It worked, you know. To you know, he he piloted it into a um, an acquisition by a, yeah. a company for many millions of dollars. Oh yeah, which, which is also another thing. That's also you know props to his business acumen being able to because I mean in, in to to sell because in say for example in tech you know if you're working on an app if you're working on a site ultimately your goal is to be able to sell. You want to be you want to be bought out. That's your that's. That's the goal. That's the move. So that you can either retire or move on to your next, you know, professional or creative or whatever endeavor. And he was able to do that. And man, like for example, with the Dylan readers, also rest in peace. I mean, I remember like when I started really getting back into skating and going out, setting up new boards, buying shoes and stuff. Dylan Reader was like my re big re-entry into skating, and I was just like, this this dude looks like the cats I play music with. And he's so cool and so good. 
and these Huff shoes are amazing. And when I first moved to LA, I remember went to I went to the shop uh, near my now wife's apartment. Um, it was Kingswell in Los Feliz, and they had a pair of Dylan readers. And I had no job, and I was like, "All right, when I get a job, when I get my first job in LA, I'm gonna cop those shoes." I did that. <laughs> did that. I was oh, in 2014, yeah. <laughs> and so, oh man. I I mean, I just want to say like how insane it is that if you think about that early huff shoes program like the the clothing came first and i remember working at the shop a buddy who originally opened the shop like pushed hard to bring huff in and always was like this shit's cutting edge i can't believe our little city can't our little city minneapolis like can't wrap its head around how cool this shit is but um to have yeah basically it's the dylan shoe to do that shoe and do it so well, because that was like, you know, a shoe that was crazy in conception and design. And then it actually skated well, too, based. I never skated it, but like everybody I know, like, couldn't resist to not skate it. And they were all happy with it. To do that shoe is incredible. And it's like, I think that goes to the vision of like making this brand and doing it. And I looked it up. Um, what am I looking at? fashionnetwork.com whatever it's the first google hit but you know late november 2017 huff holding sells 90 percent of its stake for 63 million dollars to tsi holdings like like you don't you don't do that much money without making you know duh it's obvious that it was something that people wanted and i think that was well the shoe line was still on and the clothing line soldiers on and i haven't looked at it for a little bit partly because i've been out of the you know working at the skate shop game for nearly a decade now but i always looked at that stuff as cutting cutting edge just in terms of what like skate shit had to offer um yeah the dude really excelled out outside the straight up skateboard world oh yeah i mean what was the selling price again uh shoot i gotta i gotta control like said, 60 shift. million yeah 60, 60 63 million for 63. a 90 percent stake so basically it's it's basically a buyout you know it's significantly more than a controlling state it's it's a stake it's, it's basically a buyout which is wild that's a ton of money and this is a company that was really 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 successful and prop and and really opened up a lane for skaters to be like hey you can do something that can still support skating because, I mean, you had Austin Gillette was on the team, Dylan, obviously. You know, you can have something that can still have, it can still support skating and be core, whatever the hell that means, but yeah. at the same time is reaching out to a market that's significantly bigger than skating. Because ain't nobody paying like 60 mil for a skate shoe company. <laughs> You guys saw that Jenkins video where they tried to buy World Industries and they lowballed the dude. Is like we could get it less from less less than a mil. <laughs> Maybe steering back back more uh, skateboard memories. I'm trying to think like it, the reel to reel part that two thousand one reel skateboards video. Like mm-hmm. it, it was weird. It seemed like a comeback, but I was also twenty at the time or whatever. You know, it was it was it, it, it was not the best point of view year for me in terms of like where I could see this person, but like that part's banging. And I remember Dan Wolf's closure where he's got just kind of like random only in that video, which was kind of like a 
compendium of Dan Wall's stuff. Like, there's some mm-hmm. standalone Keith Huffnagel stuff that's super good, like San Francisco. What, what yeah. are your guys' favorites? Uh, I would say Eastern Exposure 3. That's a big one. Um, obviously, FTC, finally. Oh, uh, oh no, excuse me, not finally. Uh, Penal Code, uh, Penal Code 100A with Althea and Donna skating too. Like, and that's like, that, that's a, a, a massive tune. You play that at any any party filled with uh, slightly older people from the UK or from the West Indies, or if you play it in New York, that, that, that track goes off. And to have him skating to that, oh my God. I mean, just like his control, his style, but like the Eastern exposure part, the Eastern exposure part, it, you know, his little clip in the New York City montage, skating mm. to late period Miles Davis, a million miles an hour. I mean, I think that's why Eastern exposure really, I mean, I think that's the video that kicked in the door for the East Coast, and and Huff was that dude. Like his part in nonfiction was in Reels nonfiction was good, and and maybe Mike, maybe the reason why you're kind of feeling like it, that was a comeback part, the reel to reel part was a comeback part, was because like nonfiction, good video. The box is also really cool, by the way. Good mm-hmm. video, but there was that it came out in that period where there were other videos that were taken up all the spotlight. Oh yeah, right. right. So it it kind of got. Um, it didn't get pushed, you know. It didn't get pushed by the wayside the same way that Stereo's Tin Can Folklore did. Um, but also, like, let's remember, nonfiction had a, an amazing Gons part. But um, yeah, that real part, real to real part, was amazing. I mean, he he never put out a bad part, and I think the fact that he could ollie high and skated fast, even in like the big pants, small wheel era of the early '90s, mm. I think that really is why there's his career had such longevity. Because by the time skateboarding had caught up to him, he was you know, he was a million miles, you know, like caught up to where he was in, say, 93, 94, like finally era. He was even further ahead because then he was just alling over bigger shit, alling over give bigger gaps. And, you know, I have a, a buddy who did um, he did a back tail at um, Universidad in, in Barcelona at those ledges, like ollied on and then back did a back tail last summer. And Huff was the one who did like ollie on and then, you know, ollie the gap transfer uh, into a lip slide on the second one. Yeah. And that that joint is huge. That gap is really, really big. And that plaza is crowded. There's usually people just kind of coming and going. Uh, you really have to have a really keen eye. And, and you know, he, he probably developed that in New York, skating New York City, you know, having to dodge traffic. And, like, damn, like, it, it's like, it, like, again, like, I think about how, I think about Tyshawn ollieing trash cans. And you think, like, Huff was the first, like, not the first person to do that, like, he did it with like the same sort of like Tyshawn does it with the same finesse as Huff does. Like it's nothing, right? You know, you, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, he's putting a lot of work to learning it and being able to have the speed and the pop and the timing to be able to clear a trash can every time. But the shit just looks effortless and you just get so mad you wish you could do it. Just, <laughs> you know, Templeton, what would you say? Like, what are the parts? Like, what's the skating? Like, what's Huff skating like? What are things that like stand out to you like that are now going to be like your forever memories, like your your parts where you're just like, dang, he did that. I think for me, like Huff is like a photo skater. Like my my Huff memories mm-hmm. are like are stills. You know, it's like that kickflip on the Black Rock sculpture. Like that was a, a slap gallery, I'm pretty sure, and that was just like so incredible looking. You know, like just he had the like crazy hair, like the bleach blonde, like. I don't know what was up with that hair. It was a mop, right? It was like that was like the low cut. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was so insane, but so like recognizable. 
and like there's that photo there's the photo of him like in an alleyway doing like a a bump to bump over a oh god yeah a dumpster you know just just like it's the photos that stand out to me which you know thinking about that now it's kind of sad that there's not there's not going to be other like like photos aren't going to make an impact like that anymore you know like you, you can't like rip out an instagram post and put it on your wall oh hell no yeah. no i had my i had my um my my childhood bedroom wall i had it organized by in rows so it was, it was like the dwindle row that was like the girl chocolate the curl tap roll uh row there was uh there was one which was all san francisco so i had like drake jones i had huff oh man like that that's actually really sad because yeah you're right like for those of us who grew up reading trans world and thrasher and slap and all the other kind of off-brand magazines <laughs> that we, you know you occasionally find like in a in an airport somewhere like his photos really stood out just because the dude could ollie he could pop his tricks so high yeah i imagine he was like a he was probably must have been really easy to work with because i felt like the photos of him were like they're not just your standard fisheye bottom of the stairs whatever you know it was like i could imagine there was a lot of collaboration between huff and the photographer and like you know i got this idea what do you think and like they work together to make something so memorable so yeah, for me, it's like it's photos of Huff, and it, it it's been yeah. nice seeing those photos again on Instagram as they're all popping up. Yeah, yeah. just um on the note of that alleyway, Ollie, because it was on Twitter today. Skate Twitter buddy Jose Vadi at Vadi Party V A D I P A R T Y. He posted that alleyway like I'm looking at it. Plywood propped up on dumpster. Plywood landing. And Keith Huffnagel is, like, five foot over that shit on, yeah, I think it's one of those fantabulous, <laughs> sorry, I'm using known made-up words, but, like, one of those great slap layouts and uh, with, like, it's a collage more than anything. I think, with, you know, it, it, it sucks, but, you know, if Keith Huffnagel's gone, like, a certain cool era, or at least some of it, has gone with him a certain cool era of skateboarding has gone with him and that like just like more simple skating more power more like this this is where i have like failed to really be able to to define what he did as a skateboarder because it's so unique i i think like um this was mentioned on skate twitter like last week that was a little bit of a huff appreciation thread and i think uh Kyle Beachy started and he might have been the one to say that Huff kind of like dragged skateboarding in the in the direction that it took you know towards more power skating with more speed and just like cleaning things up you know like in the big pants small era he was you know doing tricks over street gaps and I think that he pulled skateboarding in that direction you know maybe partially because those photos were so dope you know, mm-hmm. like you, you can't go five feet over a dumpster, like on some thirty eights. <laughs> no, you can't. He, it was it was a glass of cold water in the face of skating, uh, which was at the time big pants, small wheels era was becoming super self indulgent. And also, Huff had another thing going for him, right? Uh, his career was stable. He was on real. Um, there was that brief period where he was on Metropolitan wheels, which was the dopest wheel cover like they were so cool i know they did that that resurrection with 
it was a collab. Actually, I, I'm I'm pulling this from in a, a Huffnagel obituary that just came up on Complex that Anthony Papalardo, mm-hmm. writer, wrote uh, that just went up. And yeah, that was uh, the Adidas ZX1000 uh, collab with Metropolitan. And Metropolitan, for those of you who uh, are too young or were not nerding out over skate magazines, was a, a wheel company that was much more East Coast centric that honestly was the coolest thing in the 90s. Because I think it was Ari, uh, uh, is it Macropolis, right? I was just sitting here trying to um, pronounce that, the guy's last name in my head. That, that was the same pronunciation I came up with. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, Markopoulos. Uh, I apologize, Ari. <laughs> um, it was always a lot of cool black and white photos. Very, very, very styled. Very, you know, the, you know, kind of like I'm smoking closed cigarettes and, you know, drinking port. That was the vibe. That was, it was so... It really stood out, especially because it, like, it, had, it had a sense of design. It had a sense of it was New York. And Huff, you know, Huff was not on, you know, Huff did not, like, also his, his fit game was awesome, too. So I think that's another thing that helps. If you remember a skater for always looking cool or at least looking distinct, you know, you're, they're going to be burned into your memory. And also, like, he was well-liked and he is obviously being remembered very fondly by a wide spectrum of people. Yeah, which is hard, man. Like, there's, you know, epically later, the, a lot of the Chromeball incident interviews, they all reveal that there's some, there's some people in skateboarding who rub other folks in the industry the wrong way. And it doesn't seem like he was one of them folk, that he was a genuinely nice guy who was well-liked and was successful and is being remembered, is being remembered accordingly. And, you know, that's... <laughs> You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to think about the fact that he's gone and actually um, um, I'm trying to think who said this. Hang on a second. There's a really good quote here. Andrew Deluck, um, uh, Paxil Rose on Twitter. And I'm sorry if I butchered your last name because it happens to me all the time. But he had a really great quote about this. And he said, skating is different from sports and music. Maybe it's because it's all individual. You feel like you grow up with your favorite pros. When Brian Anderson came out publicly, I felt so touched and proud. It was like my best friend or my cousin was doing it. With Huff passing, it hurts like losing family, right? And skateboarding is small. And if you yeah. do anything like that's even remotely cool and you actually start to get some kind of cachet, you start to meet a lot of people. And for somebody like Huff who had been in the industry coming on 30 years, you know, and you know the same people, a lot of those relationships are much, much more, much deeper than they appear. And he, he you know, he was... New York, SF, and LA. Three major hubs of American skating. And he knew every, he was good and he was good in all those hoods. So you think about how many people <laughs> his career and his friendship and his skating touched. Never mind us, just the fans who grew up just watching him being like, holy shit, this guy is, this is the dude. I really think we got to get Andrew of Paxel Rose at Paxel Rose fame on this podcast at some point. So if you're listening, buddy, holler. But for you know as as universally beloved a dude as keith huffnagel was one of the more interesting things that i came upon like i guess you know there uh, it's so weird to say that like a couple days ago you know skate twitter had thought he'd passed and so there were there were rumblings that he'd been in poor health and you know now we're we're talking about it on thursday september 24 because he you know it's it's actually sadly confirmed that he's died but one of the things that stood out to me is that 
as a beloved dude, I don't know what Keith Huffnagel's personality is or was or, you know, I, I, I don't know what he was like as a dude. And I think even in like 2007, let's say, Familia Skate Shop did a had a shoe coming out that was like a collaboration with his then DVS shoe. And, you know, I got to hang out in the shop with him and we went out for the night. Low key guy. I don't really know what his personality was. And the whole point of this like long soliloquy is that his skating was such a thing and probably just being a low key person and kind person and probably a person who helped he, you know, others like, that's the remembrance you know he gets to have the skating as as what we remember though i i don't have a firm grasp on the personality which is a good thing i think it's um you know it it, it shows like an ability to kind of establish a firewall between your public persona and your and your regular degular personal life and i mean it, it, it's you know I, i'm sure that especially because he was successful he, he when you you know when people when people get successful, that's when the phone starts ringing. People start hitting you up and be like, "Yo, homie, let me let me get some money. Let me get some you know. Let me get the hookup. Yo, yo, sponsor me and the boys. Let me get a box, something like that." And you know, I I think everybody handles that. Everybody handles that in their own way. And you know, it. it, it I think what's really I think what's really really tough is that you know. There's something. There's something about skating when a tragedy hits. You know, when something like this happens, when somebody who's really so beloved passes. You know, it. It. it it's like Andrew says. It, it really does feel personal. Really does feel like. Yeah. You know the person. I went to. I went over to Supreme on Fairfax after Dylan Reader, like the night Dylan Reader died, and it was just wall to wall people and candles and bottles of tequila and cigarettes and yeah. shoes and. I saw Dill just like walking down the street, um, wearing a cardigan, carrying a brown paper bag, I guess, coming from the grocery store. And we struck up a conversation. And, uh, you know, I mean, imagine what it feels like for the people who are his closest friends. And like Dill, like you could tell he was like really, really shook by this. And, you know, imagine what it feels like, you know, not just for you know Huff's family, but, you know, the people who've been working him for, for 25 and 30 years, you know, who've known him in a personal and a friendly and a professional way. And you figure, oh, we'll all get old and, like, become like uh, all the old cats who go and skate the, uh, the combo, you know, the combo pool at uh, the Vance Park in Orange County. You know, <laughs> everybody will be 60 and hanging out and just pushing around. And, you know, how jarring that must be for, you know, his contemporaries, you know, people who probably looked up to him, too. Yeah, it's sad it's tough to wrap our minds around it and like like you said earlier the the industry is small the industry and and it's and it's not that old either that's the weird thing it's not most of the folks most of the folks are in charge of are are at the oldest middle age right you know except maybe george powell maybe he's in like firm aarp status but (laughs) 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 Uh, what uh what are you guys's favorite keith huffnagel clips or what's what's your favorite like? What's so rad about Huff, uh, aside from the eponymous Huff, which I mean, mm-hmm. a nickname like that, I don't know. Like we have our people, but he's basically the king of that single name. Mm-hmm. He had a type of clip. He had a type of trick. What's your favorite 
Huffism. Not to demean anything with that lame like portmanteau, but I don't know. He he had tricks. I know what my favorite thing that he tended to do was. What's yours? Oh, you got to start. I want to see where you you oh, you you pipe this okay. up. <laughs> okay, it it's just like the ollie up gap to lip slide front side ollie up. Maybe it's an ollie up ollie up or excuse me <laughs> ollie up gap 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 lip slide or just ollie up gap lip slide like. That influenced my skating so hard without necessarily thinking of Huff every time, but he was the master of that. Templeton. I, I think for me, it, it's it's close. It's like the ollie up to flip trick. You know, like he would, he had the ability to ollie up and be in perfect position to like tray flip the gap at brown marble or do that backside kick flip at black rock or whatever, mm-hmm. like, or, you know, do the, you know, many ollies to lip side. Like he just had had the ability to land with his feet right where they need to be. Colin Kennedy, who was uh, yeah. was the filmer for um, DBS at the time of Skatemore, he posted a clip of Huff doing like maybe four ollies in a row, uh, no push in between, just like every time feet perfectly placed for the next ollie, and that's just like that's hard. <laughs> And uh, it's so impressive. And he always made it just look effortless. Like like the last ollie looked just like the first ollie. You know, there was no dwindling of power or speed or anything. So uh, that, that's my, my favorite Huffism. How about you, Patrick? I think building on that, um, when he would quick ollie up a curb and then get up into something bigger and then something bigger, then something bigger. Um, mm. Penal code, where he comes up onto a a very steep kind of bank that's right underneath a boarded up windowsill up the curb up the steep bank stall on the ledge pop back Mm. down like his it wasn't just his ability to for his setup it was like his sense of rhythm right like he it seems like there was something about his ability to time everything perfectly like the way he he held his you know he focused his body weight probably the way that he sucked in his core um his leg strength and just being able to, uh, 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 uh. It was like watching someone play hopscotch. Hmm. It was so effortless. And especially like watching him, because you knew if he was riding up, if he was, if he was, he was riding down the street, pushing down the street, and he ollies up a curb, you know something nice is coming right after that, right? Just exactly. like, it's, it's so weird. It's like, you figure, like, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a trans, like, ollieing up a curb is like a, like a transactional trick, you know? It's like, it's a means to an end, right? And like, with him, it was kind of like, it was like you knew something nice was coming. Like it, also in uh, in penal code, up the curb, right, and then um, frontside wall ride to fakie on a straight up wall, you know. Yeah. And oh, he, he just just like his, I think just his like his sense of timing. And again, like that's a that's a New York City thing. Like just his style of skating is, and also SF. I, I think we it's probably worth giving props to San Francisco for really allowing him to hone his craft. You know. And take it like take that New York City skating to another level and add some bombing hills. Like him also actually I would say this too, him bombing hills in San Francisco, clearing uh driveway gaps, stairs, whatever. Again, like that's all time like he already skated fast. So to have him skating hills and and, and hitting stuff along the way, oh man. And I think that's maybe that's the thing that people really love about him, because that's something from uh Tommy G's parts and the Powell videos. And a lot of other San, early San Francisco street skaters that he was able to take that foundational material from from 
the old school and like the you know early street skating and really take it to another level and really show you show you how amazing it could be. Yeah. R.I.P. Huff. Word. Shall we do ten minutes on cookie? Yeah, let's let's do a quick cookie. Uh, I think I'm gonna do just like a little music musical interlude. Seems weird to uh, yeah. Like I don't know. Uptown top ranking or is that too uptown obvious? top ranking? Or... Yeah, for sure. I, I threw the link in there um, at the very beginning where I mentioned it. Perfect. Yeah. But so one of the best, like I don't know if Mesa chose that or if he, you know, him and him and Keith talked about that, but like. Thank goodness for these dudes who showed us all this cool ass fucking music too. Hell yeah, totally. Like, yeah. actually, like that should honestly stay in uh, this podcast. Cause Jesus Christ, like, like would would we even? How much would we care about that song if it was? I don't know. Think of a super whack video from 1996. We don't even remember the name of it. Like, nope. If the music is, if the music is trash people will it, it becomes a forgettable video but like Meza knocked it out of the park with, up, with uptown top ranking for huff's part um i think he stole he stole the show he was like he was like carol in um and finally like yeah by, best part <clears throat> by a country <laughs> everybody remembers yeah every everybody remembers that part for the song for the skating yeah yeah Damn. yeah Mike, you called uh, Chris Cookido Colburn's Heatwave part super rad. Uh, I felt less enthusiastic about it, and I'm very interested to find out what what Cookie did to earn such high praise. Is he really Cookie Doe? D O E. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for some reason, at this at this hour at this time, I I, I don't find that familiar. Um, why did he? earn such praise so the i'm trying to yeah cobra man the cobra man times cookie thing uh was both unexpected and like hit super correct in that the song was good the music video integration was better and unexpected but then i felt like this was colburn's first part where the like insanely skilled skater finally figured out that he didn't have to do the most insane shit to still be a good skater and could like just use all his powers for good mm. yeah and, uh, and patrick we, what? <laughs> no no here let me add patrick excuse me templeton let me school you um like the ollie up manual ollie manual on a bench front board to manual like i just see perfect like reflectivism or uh there's there's probably a more apt real term for like art that or writing that you use for that but i just think he's so good and i'd been like oh god he's too good in a lot of his video parts previously where like it was kind of tastelessly good but i thought he hadn't hit the right note this time i'll give it up yeah i like the i mentioned the front the manual front board manual in in the notes and i think you you know uh might have answered that in the notes anyway i i feel like anytime you go to manual it's like it just is bad like don't go to manual 
<laughs> like it doesn't add it subtracts and the fact that it was manual to front board to manual that's like double bad like it would have been dope ollie up front board down to four wheels like that would have been cooler to me like i and i, I don't want to take too much away because like he did do some super sick rad skating like the backside 180 to switch feeble was very sick i just feel like you know i would have uh edited some of this stuff out you know like the like tail side haymaker hard flip was like not uh not how i would end it it would have ended things you know that would have ended up on the cutting room floor like you know you can you can put that one on instagram buddy (laughs) even though you really did like that it was like a foot over the ledge what i mean i feel like it was more like out than like over it was not it was not to my taste and i'll (laughs) You know, it just felt, like, not cool. Like, it didn't look cool to me. I think we need Patrick's initial takes. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Mike and I could argue about this all night. <laughs> Patrick, help us settle this. <laughs> okay, so off the rip, I like the fact that I'm kind of a sap. I, I like Eric Satie. When I was in my early 20s, I dated a modern, classical, whatever, composer. And she was really cool. And she introduced me to minimalism, like Satie, and... I don't know, it tugs at the old heartstrings. But um, I thought that's I wasn't going to like this. because I saw the like, introductory music? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very, a pianist in a very similar vein, an, an actual modern composer is Harold Budd, who did an album with Brian Eno. He's quite old now, and I think sickly. But I thought I wasn't going to like the fact that this is part music video, part skate video, right? Because there were a couple of things they got wrong. Like, nobody in a band would be wearing, like, new skatable, new bounces, like... <laughs> it would definitely be like some 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 I'm I already called the cops type New Balances or like the Nike Air Monarchs, you know, ironically. But it was familiar. First of all, because like the dude in the band with the long hair looks like the guy from Ghostland Observatory. And <laughs> and like the song kind of reminds me of a band that I played with once. I um, played it was on the same bills and they were called Tiger City. They had a song called Fake Gold. And this is like the same vein. And these were like these guys, like this video looks like Brooklyn circa 2007, 2008. Mm. I definitely feel like I'd be kicking it with these guys at the after hours or at somebody's apartment, like drinking like tall boys of cheap domestic and listening to this one boogie down Remini Italo disco series. Like it, it, it like it actually kind of made me like actually super nostalgic and like really misplaying music because <laughs> like even like even like one of the uh, one of the one of the girls in the video looks like a, a friend of mine from Brooklyn. And I was just like, dang, like this is like reminding me of like some really like fun times where I could just I could just hang out and like I was down for whatever and would just be like, yeah, sure, like we'll, we'll go to this random uh, this random warehouse. But like skating wise, I think it was good. <laughs> You're right. There was a, there was a couple things in there that was that were a bit um like I don't know if I would have kept that uh, board slide. I can't remember. Was it um. It's like a big flip out at Gardner Elementary School. Like it boards like on a bench. Y'all will have to correct me on that one. Um, Cause I ha- I don't know. I can't flip my board well at all. Um, I like the the crook, quick little nollie into the switch five on the angled ledge. That was kind of um, Henry Sanchez ish. You can see like there's like a little bit of there's like these weird little hints of uh, Henry Sanchez in his skating, right? Like cleaner, faster. But like some of his trick selection definitely reminds me of uh, of Sanch. Um, I liked the tail slide hard flip out. I actually, you know what? I, I think like the fact that he mixed it in with that music video and the fact that it, you could definitely tell like he seems like he's a fun dude and these Cobra Man seems like a, a 
kill a bunch of folks. Like, this was actually really cool. <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah. I, I think it's just the... I think Cookie, like, did too much cookie dough previously, where so much of it was... I'm super good at skating, I know no bounds, and I'm just going to do everything. But to then couple it with Cobra Man music video, in which he appeared, and I don't think we actually have enough time to plumb the depths of like skaters being involved with the music that they're skating to, because that's a whole other tangent. And, um, Physics wheels. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> ultra deep. And I mean, I'd, I'd actually, you know, touch on the Henry Sanchez things, but on Facebook messages, like 2005, I actually told Henry Sanchez I wouldn't talk about him in skateboard media because he was beefing with me about something. What? Can't touch on that either. But um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're singing praise to your name if you're listening. No comment. I'm sure he's I don't listening. have to run to Sacramento and you know keep my head on a swivel. I don't know if this is mega enough for him to listen to, but um, <laughs> where was I? Dude has a nice kickflip, kind of like uh, he has like a bit of a Bobby Pulio style flip. Cookie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think uh, he's he's got one of the better. I I was ready to give him frontside 360 props up to and until Jeremy Ray actually. He does that. He does a frontside 360 off like a kicker over a can, mm-hmm. and very, very few people, except Jay Ray, get like that squared up landing where mm-hmm. you don't lose any speed. And yeah, the crook, crook to fakie to fakie nose grind. Like I think why I like this part so much, and I think maybe where like Templeton and I agree, but then I disagree with him, is that. He did mellow stuff where I thought he was going to crook fakie and do something funky mm-hmm. and then like do something too much down the ledge, but it was just crooked grind, 180, fakie nose grind. And that, that was just perfect taste. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And also, like you have in the notes that the ride up, uh, up the like kinked ledge to crook popover was perfect. And like I fully agree. And I would imagine that he really wanted to nollie flip out of that mm-hmm. crook pop over like mm-hmm. you know he just like wanted that more and dude on know, the second angle who... like it looked like he wanted to but then he didn't yeah like maybe it was like the warm-up and then got kicked out before the flip out happened or something but like you know however the flip didn't happen i'm like so grateful for that because it was rad just as like a crook pop over like the, I, that's again one of those things where it's like when you add to it you like take away it's like over seasoned like just just let the crook pop over be the star oh i was just gonna say like we seemingly have baggage with chris colburn like just in terms of overdoing it like i mean yeah it, does that play templeton <laughs> or <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't really think of his previous work, you know? Like, he, he's not somebody that's, like, you know, I think about a lot. So I, I feel like I'm judging pretty much solely on this part. And okay. I, I think that if, if like, like I could have edited this part to, to be a thing that I was super stoked on. But, like, I didn't, and I saw those tricks that I didn't want to see. So, like, <laughs> you know, this, this is the part that we're talking about. Yeah, um, so I guess there's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of like Minnesota guys 
of a younger generation than me who I think Colburn is like Vermont or at least Mm -hmm. New England with a lot of guys like Jordan Maxim and I can't think of the other guys because they you know rolled through Minnesota years ago and then haven't made like uh, an actual impact on the scene out in LA but the Minnesota kids and dudes like Cookie started kicking mm-hmm. it, you know, X years ago. So he's kind of on my radar more than more than he would be otherwise. And I do think this is it's it's kind of a culmination. I I think the goofy Cobra Man music video coupled with the skating, which is his most most refined stuff. I just think it's really good. Yeah, there's an air of restraint, and I think that coupled with the music video that it really shows like. Okay, this is this is nice. And also, like my favorite, there was two things I really, really liked about this. First is him skating in that parking lot with the the makeshift jump ramp in front of the the trash can. But then oh, also, yeah, that was the real good. Dump, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's the speed, the way it's filmed. Also, like when he's carving around, um, there's the banks at this oh, office God, plaza. That's... Yeah, it's shot so well. like his the filmer captured his uh, his just like his one kickflip perfectly. It looks so effortless that's the one that looks kind of like on some bobby pulio type shit but then um he's skating at the home depot in glassell park here in la which is right around the corner from where i got married um and he goes ollie's up well, excuse me what are you ollie's up onto or is it oh no excuse me Kick flips onto a handcart and oh then hippie jump at the other end all he had to do was ollie onto the handcart and then hippie jump but he kick flipped on it right the precision right and like the the, the potential for a really nasty fall was so so high the fact that he was able to do that and make it look cool and then from alternate angles it, it looks just as good like honestly like there was a lot of potential for this part to be terrible <laughs> like terrible right you're like oh I man agree. like music video birthday footage come on man that's cool <laughs> nope. horrible is man ramp is like do we need episode 18 of man ramp goes to the moon like so much of uh, kind of like new age tilt mode skateboarding has been <laughs> overdone, but like this was that part, knowing that it's like related to all that stuff for me, like it hit the marks. Yeah. It was good. This this part made me want to drink a Sparks at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. It was good. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad that like Patrick and I are able to have fun. I'll be a Templeton cat. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit of a stick in the mud. Um, I'm glad that you two were stoked on it, uh, which brings us to the end oh, of our yeah. show where we talk about what we're stoked on. So, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? Okay, word. So, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I'm yep. stoked on Jenkins history of the VX1000. By the way, it's not safe for work. Do not watch it on your work computer. Not to say that I did. I would never. <laughs> um, and I've been listening to a lot of music by a uh, 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 Nubian Egyptian artist called Ali Hassan Kuban. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on having a new board. I actually set up a new Familia Skate Shop deck probably about a month right. back. But as life goes, I've only been skating it like three or four or five times. But we got into it the other night. Two nights ago, we record on a Thursday, so that was Tuesday night. And having a new board is really great. It's snappy, it's happy, and you get to make 
cool new marks on it. I, I don't know. I, I had a weird year where I skated a lot, but I, up until the beginning of August, I'd only skated two boards, and that was part of, like, quarantine. That was part of traveling. and Well, yeah, mostly part of just not being able to, like, feel good about going to the shop and getting a new board. So I'm happy on skating a freshie. Nice. Yeah. Fresh everything or just fresh deck? You know what's weird is that I set up the board, but then I was at the shop a couple days later, like, masked up, being responsible, and I bought new wheels, and I was like, nice. damn it. I was at a session earlier this spring, and people thought that I had my uh, bolts cinched down because my bearings were, like, making such noise just on their own, and they weren't fast, and they were annoying, and I bought new Swiss. So I skated the board twice, then I put the new Swiss in, new wheels, Formula 4, Classics 52, Spitfire, and I set it up, and now I have the perfect setup, at least for the foreseeable future. Nice. 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 New board, new wheels is, like, the best. Like, your trucks are broken in, but everything else is oh, yeah. all snappy and clean. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, took a picture of my board between or before, like, one of the last times I just skated, put it on Twitter. Really wanted to see everybody else's setup. I, 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 like, you know, posted the photo, said, set up. Y'all should respond with y'all's setups the next time, because... <laughs> oh, my setup? People. Right now? Uh, yeah, I wanna, <laughs> everybody wants to see the skateboards. Like, Hell I, yeah. I think seeing skateboards just makes people happy, so... Let's remember. I that. will. I will definitely. I will. I will. I will jump in. I will jump in the next time you post that. Although for the people uh, currently skating, so I have a Cornerstar Cruiser, which is just a Chapman blank with some Thunders and Spitfires, and I think some old Andale bearings. It's just like my neighborhood whatever board. And then uh, the board I've been skating um, for the last couple of weeks, actually, actually most of the summer. Jesus is uh, it's Crooked Mark Gonzalez Venture Trucks. Shout out to Venture Trucks Spitfires and some uh some red bearings i, I still I, I don't know why you know maybe I, it's time i i think i might need to upgrade the bearings on that board it's starting to it's starting to get to that you know to get to that point but i don't know why like swiss it's i'm just like uh, oh, i have man. disposable income but i'm cheap <laughs> dude it, it's an investment you know you you could buy like 20 20 sets of andale bearings before you wear out your swiss the andales were a freebie by the way <laughs> <laughs> as, I did not go out are. of my way to purchase them. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, normally, normally I it's uh, red bony, but all right, maybe you know, maybe I need to roll over to my local and just be like, man, let me let me cop some let me cop some Swiss joints. Tumbleton, what are you stoked on and what are you skating? Uh, I I'm currently skating a board from the Killing Floor, which is a local brand that's gone global uh, here in Portland. Uh, Thunder Trucks, Swiss Bearings, and, um, I, yeah, Spitfire Wheels, Formula 4s, 52s, just like Mike. Ooh, greenies, can't beat them. Yeah, uh, uh, and I'm, go on. Very, I'm very stoked on that board, and also I'm stoked on fall, the season. You know, we had a bunch of wildfires here, and yeah. we got a little bit of rain, and it cleared the air, and when, when the smoke cleared, it was fall. Summer had gone, and mm. I could wear a sweatshirt, be nice and comfortable outside. Fall is my favorite season. It's like such a relief from the heat of summer. And nice. uh, yeah, y'all are getting just, hot summers now. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like East Coast hot and humid, but it's it's hot and dry. And 
yeah, it feels feels good to be wearing a hoodie. And so jealous. Change. First hoodie. Yeah. What, what, what's the what's the first hoodie of the, of the fall? What you what, what you what you rocking? Uh, I shouldn't have even said hoodie because I can't even wear hoodies because like I ruined myself sitting in a laptop for six years. So like my neck is fucked up and I can't wear hoodies. I just wear like a Carhartt crew neck sweatshirt in Heather Gray. Nice. Very good. Oh, nice. Oh, goes well with everything. Goes well with exactly. everything. Exactly. Very nice. utilitarian. Um, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to things that we talked about and other show notes. Uh, until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks and on Instagram at P Kigongo. Mike, where can the people find you on the internet? On the internet, they can find me at, and this is both for Twitter and Instagram, at M Munzenreiter. And if you're looking for me in a hoodie, it's most likely that collegiate quarter snacks hoodie that came out a couple years ago. Um, nice. Dudes at this indoor skate park in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, commented on like, oh yeah, you're wearing it again. <laughs> Hey, when, when you got a, a good a good hoodie or any good gear, you wear it until you can anymore. It's the best hoodie. It's a champion on, well, no, it's a quarter snacks on champion. Shout out Costa for basically running the best and coolest operation in skateboarding. Maybe maybe one day it'll never happen. We'll get them on, but maybe one day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shout out to snack quarter snacks snack man all day every day. New York City yeah. represent. For sure. Big shouts to Quarter Snacks. Templeton, what's your deal? Uh, <laughs> uh, my deal is uh, at Mostly Skate on Twitter and at Mostly Skateboarding on Instagram. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. R.I.P. Huff. For sure. Man. <laughs>